Perhaps the most memorable encounter I've had with anyone. When I would see brands like Home Depot that had one site at the time and was our customer that said, we want to send messages to users in December that are coming from California and show them lawn chairs, whereas we want to show snowblowers to customers coming from Toronto. And right then and there, I said, wow, this is crazy powerful. How you can customize the commerce experience for users based on where they're coming from really, to me, was like, this is going to change the world one day. Welcome to the Own Your Commerce podcast, where leading experts, brands, and innovators reveal strategies for e-commerce growth. I'm your host, Jay Myers, and this show is brought to you by Bold Commerce. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Own Your Commerce. I have with me today, Alok Ahuja. He is a longtime friend. He formerly used to be with Shopify Plus, and he was one of the original people that actually built out the Shopify Plus partner network. He was with them for years. This guy has been on the brand side. He's been on the platform side, and now he's on the partner side. He launched a new company uh, a few years ago called Trexity. And what they do is they do basically same day delivery for e-commerce brands. So think like Uber Eats, but for e-commerce deliveries. And and I know that's not the best analogy for it, but imagine if you want to serve your local market and when someone orders something, they have the option to you know take delivery in two hours and a driver comes and picks it up and delivers the package to your customer. That's kind of it in a nutshell. And he's going to go into it a little bit more in the show. But the important thing is, Customers are starting to expect this. You know, Amazon has is within one day of I think it's like over 66% of Americans. And so if they can get products to customers within a day, you need to start thinking about maybe your customers might be expecting that too. Or maybe it might just be that you don't have ambitions to sell internationally. Uh, maybe you just want to serve a local market. And then logistic companies like this are starting to pop up that are solving for that. And in some unique ways, we also dived into uh, some subscription brands doing local subscriptions through through Trexy. It was a fascinating episode. And I think we're going to start seeing more of more services like this in the future. So let's let's dive into it with Alok. He's the founder and CEO of Trexy. Let's go. Alok, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've known you forever. We've got a lot of history together and this is long overdue. So thank you so much for being here. No, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. You've got a pretty interesting background. You've started your own business. I think you've sold businesses. You've worked with Shopify Plus for years. Now you've started a new business called Trexity, which we're going to get into in a bit. But give me your background. Like, What's your story, Alok? Yeah, absolutely, man. The story is that I've been in love and enamored with e-commerce for the last 15 years. During those 15 years, I had the opportunity to be a part of a, a startup back in 2006 that was literally built off of 13 lines of JavaScript. The notion there was a software that was built around taking over pieces of real estate on e-commerce websites well before e-commerce was a thing. And it was touted as web personalization. So the code would allow us to recognize who was coming to the site through these pieces of real estate that we took over, banner ads. But we would be able to recognize if it was a first-time visitor, return visitor, what geolocation they were coming from well before Amazon wrote the book on this. And so that's where it all started. That's where I literally got bit by the e-commerce bug. And this was, like I said, it was back in 06. And when I would see brands like Home Depot that had one site at the time and was our customer that said, we want to send messages to users in December that are coming from California and show them lawn chairs, whereas we want to show snowblowers to customers coming from Toronto. 
And right then and there, I said, wow, this is crazy powerful. How you can customize the commerce experience for users based on where they're coming from really to me was like, this is going to change the world one day. And that's where it started. So that was a pretty fun journey that lasted about six years. I had the opportunity to watch the company go public and experience what that was like to an acquisition and getting swallowed up in that acquisition to then getting the opportunity to work at a bigger agency who acquired that web personalization software. And then I was exposed to a lot of the internet retailer 500, you know, from working with Honeywell and Aramark and spending some time at Hamburger University in Chicago working with McDonald's, which was pretty cool. For me, it was, okay, commerce isn't just for people trying to sell stuff. Large brands and large corporate entities are looking at commerce as where they need to start focusing some more of their time, like McDonald's. So for me, it was like, okay, this is turning into something crazier. Being there for about five years, all the while being an entrepreneur at heart, loving the, the entrepreneurial spirit and the hustle. I got it from my dad who immigrated from India to Canada as a pure entrepreneur. Built an empire with, like he always used to tell me, with $12 in his pocket. But watching him do that and you know, having his day job of being a chartered accountant for Revenue Canada, but then having all of these various side hustles, whether it was real estate or whether it was like side companies. And so for me, it was, it was trying to start my own business while going through and working with all these IR500 companies. And that's when I was exposed to the other local company, Shopify. And I had multiple Shopify stores back in the day when it was the beautiful green interface. And while working at this agency that had acquired us, I ran into some Shopify folk and had the opportunity to pitch and ultimately come on over to that company and work very closely to help figure out kind of what's happening at Shopify Plus and, and how can we build a Shopify Plus partner program. Because obviously, as you know, Shopify Core had an extremely robust partner ecosystem, one that you know you partaked in for many years. And I think the goal here was, can we replicate that for Shopify Plus? And can we get some of these larger digital agencies to recognize that Shopify Plus was a viable solution for enterprise customers? And because I had been exposed to enterprise for such a while now, it was very appetizing for me to try to figure out if we could crack that nut. And that is where I had the absolute honor of getting to hang out with amazing partners like yourself and PBXL and, and Pointer and all these guys. And it was, a, it was a truly, it was an honor and such a great experience. And I think the time that I had at Shopify was incredible. It changed the way that I saw how really lean and smart companies work. Not that the ones I was at before weren't, but this was just a whole nother, whole nother beast. I had never experienced anything like this before. And getting the opportunity to, I think, travel a lot and see how things are done across North America when it comes to commerce and how people are approaching the problem for me was really fascinating. And then ultimately walking away, walking away to focus on, on being a dad to two very young kids. And I also made the decision to double down to be a, a son to a father who had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer at the time. And I thought this was a great way for me to spend some downtime. And that's what I did. And so making my kids lunches every day, dropping them off at school, and then going to kick it with my dad at my childhood home is kind of was my daily routine. And then one day while you know taking care of my dad and being alone with him, he needed a bunch of stuff from a store here in Ottawa in the Byward Market and uh, called that store. And I said, hey, can you guys send the following things to the house? And uh, they said, well, we don't do that. And I said, what do you mean you don't do that? They said, well, we don't deliver. It's not something that we offer. But they're like, you can call somebody. And if you can get them to come pick it up, we'll gladly send it along. So I started calling all these companies, 
FedEx, Purelater. I even called a couple Uber drivers. I said, hey, can you guys help me go pick this stuff up? And they said, no, we don't do that. And a lot of the legacy shipping companies said, well, it's after 4 p.m. on a Friday, so we can't really do that. But we could do it tomorrow on a Saturday, but it's going to be an extra 60 bucks because it's the weekend. And just out of sheer frustration, I, I threw everything off the kitchen counter. And you know me. I can't sit still and I love to solve problems. I started architecting a platform at like literally that moment that would allow any merchant in the world to offer same day delivery and also give them a fighting chance against kind of the Amazons of the world, right? I knew why these larger behemoths could do it, right? They own the supply chain. They've got these multi-million dollar fulfillment centers, but why couldn't the favorite stores on my favorite streets and my favorite neighborhoods offer the same service? And that's where this latest venture, Trexity, was started. It was started out of trying to solve for a specific need. And I felt, I'm not the only one feeling this pain. If I'm going through this, I'm sure there's thousands of people that are, are in this rut. And what excited me the most though, Jay, was all of the anomalies that I had to solve around this idea, right? Like, who's going to deliver this stuff? And how are merchants going to interact with this platform I'm trying to build? And that, to me, was what got me hooked. That's where I started to lose sleep because I couldn't stop thinking about it. Okay, there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to unpack here. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I just I love one thing you said. You wanted to take time to be a son. That just struck me as interesting because you always hear it's very common to say you have kids and your priorities change. I have kids too. And you say, well, I, I need to be a dad. But you don't typically think about being a son. It's just like we probably take it for granted, but it is an act. And I know this is an e-commerce show, but I just think that's a really, really cool perspective to think like it's a conscious decision to be every role you are in a family, not just the ones where you're like the lead leading. Anyways, I just, I really appreciated that. I read about this a while back and just because you're born into it doesn't mean you don't need to own up to it, right? And we're all born as kids, hopefully to parents that are our parents and we're sons and we're daughters, we're nieces, we're nephews, we're cousins. And you have to make sure that you take the time in your life to honor those titles. Because I don't think, you know, just because they're given to you at birth, it doesn't mean that you should take them for granted, right? And so to this day, you know, unfortunately, I did lose my dad in 2019 right after. But you know what? It was the best, literally the best year of my life, every day just being with him. So I made it a commitment now to have date nights with my mom and continue to be a son and own up to it, right? And not just take it for granted. Yeah. We just generally think we're responsible for the relationships that we have a role in creating versus the ones that we created just for us. Are created. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. I'm going to remember that. A couple other things. Speaking of early Shopify days, you must have started what, 2015? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because I think I remember meeting you at the very first Shopify Unite in San Francisco, which is 2016. And I remember Blair Beckwith was the like app store lead. And I remember he texted me and he said, Hey, Jay, there's this guy, Loke, he, he wants to meet you. He's got something he wants to talk about. And I said, Oh, what's it about? <laughs> like I had never met you at that point. Ah, something to do with Shopify Plus. I have no idea. But you kind of came in like a bull in a China shop. And I remember you had such big ideas about what the partner program could be. It's easy to see this now in hindsight, you know, where Shopify Plus is and the partner network. But at the time, not only the partner, but just Shopify Plus in general, because I went through, this was probably 2013. Before Shopify Plus, there was, a, it was called Shopify Enterprise. It actually wasn't even a thing. It was just like a, a relabeled Shopify Plus with some account managers. But 
you know, that was kind of like a trial that got scrapped and then Plus was born. And so to have that foresight, I thought was, was really cool. But it was one of the perks of any ecosystem with part with, you know, like that is the people, the people you make. You know, I met you in, yeah, 2016. And what is it now? Six years later. Yeah, we had some fun. You're not, it's completely. <laughs> had some fun. Yeah. Well, that's probably another perk of being in the partner space. You get to like, take partners out to entertain, right? So, and we were on the receiving end of that. So that was a lot of good memories. So now you're with this experience that you just talked about with calling to get something delivered. This was even before the pandemic, right? Yeah, so that's the crazy part. So this was end of 2018. So I took this on and and I remember something very clearly. I promised my wife that I would just lay low for a while, right? (laughs) And just focus on that aspect of being a son and being a dad. And man, that didn't last long. So this was just a pure passion project, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. And so I said to myself, you know, maybe in like five to seven years, I'll change the way people think about the last mile, about local delivery and kind of the importance it carries. But that obviously changed and not necessarily by design. You know, I think it's really important that you can have these great ideas. And I think anybody listening to this, if you have an idea, write it down and don't bury it and try to do your best to action on those items, even if it's just having like a one hour brainstorm session with a mentor of yours to talk about the idea. Surface it, right? Don't let it go by. And that's what I did with this idea. I reached out to you. I remember sending you a note and saying, hey, what do you think of this? Like I'm thinking of this, this idea around the last mile. And I kept that email, obviously, but I remember you were so encouraging and you're like, oh my God, I've been thinking about this all Oak and I've talked to people about it and I think it's a great space. And for me, it was like even going through the motions in 2019 of like running up to merchants and asking them if I could test this with them and sitting in their back rooms while they were working off of this web-based MVP platform that we had. And I would sit there with my knapsack and my notebook and I'd watch them for six, seven hours. And they're like, well, why are you standing here all day? And I said, well, because... The only way I'm going to be able to solve the merchant side problems of the last mile is if I can sit here and actually watch the problems that you're having and how you're interacting with this web-based platform that I'm trying to create. Whether it's the business owner or the 16-year-old part-time employee that they have that only comes in for a couple of hours, I needed to really understand the problems that we were trying to solve. And uh, that, to me, Jay, where there was no pressure, there was no stress, it was just like, this is fun, let's see what we can do. Let's give these merchants an opportunity to own their customers' doorsteps in a very intimate way. For me, was everything. And obviously, with anything, like I said, you could have the greatest idea, but I think a lot of it also has to do with timing. And timing is everything. And it's funny going back to Shopify and other companies, like, you know, people say, you look at the success that company's had and the impact it has made on Canada as a whole and the economy. That was not an overnight success. It's over 20 years now that it's been in business, right? Toby started that at the coffee shop on Elgin Street here in Ottawa and and look how far it's come. And I look at that company with nothing but respect and admiration because I was on the inside and I saw how hard everybody works to push that thing forward, right? And with Shopify, it wasn't all necessarily timing. That timing took place 19 years later when the pandemic ended and it really exploded. Not that it wasn't big before, but here I was sitting on this opportunity of an idea that hopefully in five to seven years, something came of it, but timing changed the trajectory of how this company has grown in such a great way. And it's funny because I was on this clubhouse and it was a number of high-profile executives in logistics and hospitality. 
And they were saying, you know, some of the greatest companies are formed in the times of need. I remember listening to that and being like, I didn't quite understand it at first. And I was like, times of need? For me, I always go somewhere like super dark. I'm like, war? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but then obviously, you know, March 1st, the world changed. And we were working with merchants that said, hey, we've got to pull the plug on working with you because we think the, the landscape is going to change. And we were working with an aviation company that said, we feel like the landscape of aviation is going to change. And I didn't quite understand it. And then quickly realized that, holy crap, I think that we might have been given a moment in time that what it is that we're building and the problem that we're solving is going to be in high demand very, very quickly. And I think my timeline of five to seven years, I said that night, I remember watching the US news with Lester Holt on NBC and looking at my wife and being like, okay, well, I think everything has changed. And I think that this isn't a passion project anymore. This has turned into. I need to put my cape on and see how much I can save merchants and the world around continuing to keep the flow of commerce moving and helping to uplift local economies in any way we can. But yeah, it's timing has a lot to do with it, for sure. It's interesting, right? When the pandemic hit, we as a company at Bold all got together and we just thought, what can we do to help? And everyone can help a different role, but we work with a lot of merchants. And so we thought, well, how can we help stores? And we actually had half a dozen of our team work for a couple of days straight through the night. We spun up. It's not active anymore, but it was by local.ly, by locally. And the whole concept of it was, we just saw, similar to you, store after store posting on, they would post on Facebook and they would say, we can still serve you, call us and we'll leave. You know, it could be a sporting goods store or like kids, hockey supplies, like phone us, order whatever you need, we'll leave it at the door. You can call us with a credit card. And then some people had a halfway decent website. Some people were putting their stuff on other marketplaces. Like everyone had a different approach to it. And it was just like mad chaos for all these local stores that were doing fine before and probably don't really, before the pandemic, didn't have a need for a really robust online presence because their business was local. And then when you no longer could shop local, they were panicking. So we put together this website where stores could list their store, their location, what services they were going to sell. It filled up. It didn't, in Winnipeg, it, it blew up some other cities in Canada. But I just couldn't believe like 80% of the stores on there really had no option for any type of digital way of, of paying or ordering. They're, they're just local stores. And so I, I remember when you, mentioned about what Trexity does, I just thought, like I grew up in a family business and it was <laughs> listeners of the show. I've heard me talk about it a few times. It was an archery range and worked there with my dad starting when I was 13 years old. And it's still around. It's like one of those 30 year old business and it's nothing that'll ever go public, but it paid the family's bills for 30 years. And it's a great local business. A company like that would never have ambitions to have you know, be selling all around the world online and things, but they want to serve their local customers. And I remember when the internet kind of came around, what the internet took away from the local merchant was price. Like you couldn't compete. Price was something you no longer could compete on. You know, you can always find stuff cheaper online. But the one advantage of a local store was that you could you could drive there and get it in the same day, right? And I thought that one of the coolest things about the service was that it kind of gives the strength that was the advantage of a local store back to the local store. So, you know, we're in Winnipeg, someone a thousand miles away 
can be selling something for 20% less, but it's hard to compete against having something hours away if you need, you need ink for your computer or you need something. So that's what I thought was really interesting is I always think like what gives that strength back. And I just realized we didn't actually even say what Trexity is yet. So I have a couple of questions to ask. What exactly is Trexity? <laughs> that's awesome. I love how we haven't talked about that yet. Yeah. We've made hints. The listeners still don't know what it is. So we could really mess with them. We could really right. mess with them right now. <laughs> I'm curious what people are thinking, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it's a last mile logistics platform. And so the goal of this platform was to enable any local merchant to have the ability to offer same day local delivery. And you hear that a lot and people say, well, yeah, we can do local delivery. But what Trexity is, it's, it's an all-encompassing platform. So there's a number of ways that our merchants are using us. One is obviously with an e-com integration where they allow their customers to go through an online experience, purchase things, put it into their cart. And then when they get to the checkout process, Trexity shows up as a shipping option. And it says, do you want this delivered locally today? You click yes, and you transact, and away you go. Now, in that scenario, when the merchant hits mark is fulfilled in their in their e-com platform, it instantly will ping the Trexity community. And this is where it gets special, but the drivers are Trexity drivers. And they will then, through their Trexity driver app, accept the order and make their way over to the merchant, pick up the package. As soon as they pick up the package, they'll scan the unique QR code, which is on the Trexity shipping label, which all the merchants get when they fulfill their orders. And that QR code once scanned is when it gets really special. This is when all types of really cool communication gets sent out to the end customer, right? Whether it's an SMS or an email, they will then be notified that their package is en route. They can follow it in real time on their phone, just like an Uber Eats order. And we will tell them to the exact minute that it'll show up to their doorstep. So none of this waiting for the cable man nonsense, you know, nine to five. And once it's arrived, you know, knock, knock, it's here. The Drivers will scan the QR code to close off that delivery. And then we follow up with a survey to the customer. How do we do? And we get customer feedback. And then we share that with our merchants and what we call the merchant report card and let them know what their customers are saying about the delivery and, and how they feel about the service. And once again, what's unique about that, Jay, is when our drivers come to pick up these packages, they're not in big boxes wrapped in tape with all types of styrofoam inside. It's literally in the bag that you would get if you walked into the store with your receipt in there and hand it right to you at your door. And so that's what I mean by owning your customer's doorstep, right? It's just like as if they were in the store, which works really well. A lot of our merchants as well will do that exact same process, but without an e-com integration. And so what we've done is we've built a standalone merchant portal where they can just log in and at their fingertips, they have access to a last mile logistics fleet where they can put in, all we need is an end address and the rest is history. They can go ahead, they can create orders, they can bundle, which has been very special for us and is also a bit of proprietary IP to Trexity. But one of the things we learned early on was, and this is all coming from our drivers, is they would say, you know, we really dislike picking up one order, dropping it off, then going to pick up another order and dropping it off. We love it when we can pick up a bunch of orders and then go to a centralized geographic region within the city and drop all of these things off. And so what we did is with our standalone merchant portal, we give merchants the opportunity to upload or ingest anywhere from one to 10,000 addresses. This will then plot in real time on a map. And then with one click of our bundle button, we will bundle those deliveries based on areas within the city and, and obviously based on the requirements of the merchant. If they have an SLA of things needing to be delivered within one to two hours, we will bundle accordingly. And at that given moment now, a driver can come and pick up anywhere from you know six, seven, eight, 12 deliveries 
be gone for 30, 45 minutes to a centralized area and make those deliveries and, and earn more chips by doing it. So that was a bit of kind of how we've been able to scale accordingly. And it's funny when I tell people that, they say, well, hold on a second. You're making decisions based on what the drivers want? And I said, well, absolutely. I'm not going to build something and force someone to use it. And we did that with our drivers and our merchants, right? And so building the platform was really important in order to make sure we were diluting all the complexities that came with using logistics. And I think I remember telling you this in 2019 when I was doing my Intel and I'd go to like the FedEx website or I'd go to the UPS website and how hard it was to literally just input one package. It's like, what's the cubic inches of the box? And, and I had to take my scale and put the box on the scale and hold it in my family room. And it was just, it wasn't fun, right? And so for us, when we were designing this, it was really important to dilute a lot of those notions when it comes to trying to put a delivery together and make it as easy as possible. Because and I think this is where my background came in was being able to rub shoulders with thousands of merchants for over 15 years around the world and understanding how hard it is to run a business. You have to make this so simple for them in order for it to be successful. And if I wasn't able to do that, then I don't think this would have been able to scale. And then also understanding who was going to be using our portal was really important, right? We're going after SMBs, right? These are mom and pa's, the local economy stores, right? The brick and mortars on our favorite street. And so sometimes they're not as tech savvy as you'd hope they'd be, right? Even some of them that have some modern day POS systems like Clover with a great inventory management system still outsource to get that all done and truly don't understand how it was done in the first place. So I took on the idea of incorporating, or I guess you could say employing, sounds so bad, (laughs) but my nine-year-old daughter to QA the platform for us. So early days, I'd put it in front of her after dinner and I'd sit her here in this chair in my (laughs) office and I'd say, okay, Aria, I need you to go in and build a delivery. And if she was able to do a delivery, then we effectively did our job to making this so simple that anybody could do it. And to this day, I don't know if the investors all want to hear this, but Aria still does <laughs> a your, lot of the QA. QA. <laughs> <laughs> she is. She is. She is. She, she'll awesome. still run through the driver app. And when we're out on in the field testing, she'll have my phone. And, and it has to be that simple, right? On both sides, right? And that's what's really important. So, Is this a bad comparison? Do you like it when people say this or not? The Uber Eats, but for e-commerce? Or is that not a fair... That's just you. You always love saying that. It is a good, no, but it's good. Because they're not professional delivery drivers. They're people in their own vehicles. How does that work? Are they paid by delivery? No, it's the same. Delivery it's the same. Yeah, so okay. they're paid by delivery, right? And they're absolutely contract drivers. And I encourage that, right? So we tell our drivers, and I think maybe let me backtrack. One of the things I didn't tell anybody or any of the listeners was, when this idea came to me in 2018, and we were thinking about how to scale this thing and the problems that needed to be solved, the first thing I did was in February of 2019, I remember the day, it's clear as water. It was like a Tuesday night. I think I'd put the kids to bed and I told my wife I was going to the airport. And she said, well, she looked at me like I was crazy. But what I did is I made my way there and I went over to this area at the airport called the Uber lot. And it's where all these drivers just sit and wait for a plane to land. And I would knock on the windows of drivers and I would ask them and I would say, hey, listen, why do you do this? You know, what do you love about it? What do you hate about it? But what would you do if you were in charge? And I started to get an incredibly large amount of tremendous feedback, right? And at that point, I started building focus groups of drivers and I started bouncing ideas off of them. And there's one thing that if you don't know is that drivers are extremely vocal. They will tell you what's ticking them off and they'll tell you what's making them happy. And so I thought, let me see if I can start to figure out some of the pain points these drivers have and one by one, see if I can solve those. And I started using this as the catalyst for us to launch the driver side of this marketplace that we're trying to build. 
right? And so you might've heard me say before, like we listen to our drivers. I will always listen to the drivers, right? And sometimes I'll show up in the field when deliveries are taking place and I'll just sit there and I'll wait for a driver to show up to take the delivery and I'll ask them questions, not knowing who I am or who I work for, but just wanting to understand what are we doing right and what are we doing wrong, right? And how can we continue to improve the platform? So these drivers are very much contract drivers and they work for Uber, they work for Lyft, they work for all these companies. And I said to myself early on, I said, they're always going to work for these companies and I'll encourage it. Like I'll say, you know, take an Uber into the downtown core of your city, do Trek City all day long and then get an Uber ride close back to where you live and just earn as much as you can. You know, these are some of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. And I, I have a lot of respect for these people. And so essentially what I wanted to do was understand how this was repeatable and how we could build these communities across the country. And I didn't need to reinvent the wheel here, right, Jay? Like you and I could hop on a flight to Miami right now and land and there's a driver community there. I flew into Winnipeg a couple months ago to see you and driver communities everywhere there, right? And so what I needed to do was infiltrate these communities. And how I decided to do that was to provide more value to these drivers than I was capturing myself. So one by one, I would listen to their list of grievances. So a lot of them would say, you know, we make anywhere from 52 to 62% with other gig economy companies on the platform. So like, obviously, early days, 2019, I said, screw it, I'm going to give you 70. What's next? Well, we don't get paid quick enough. Cool, I'll fix that. What's next? And one by one, I would go through all of their complaints. And I said, I got to solve some of these. Now, I didn't solve all of them. And the ones that I didn't solve really opened some doors for me as to how I can make that experience better. or how we can improve specific workflows of how they interact with these various driver apps. But more importantly was how could I keep them engaged on our platform the longest? That to me was a winning metric and one that I still wake up every morning and look at is how engaged have we kept these drivers, right? And obviously it's volume, it's daisy chaining drivers to keep them as close to where they're going and having something ready to go for pickup at their last drop off from a radius perspective. So it's all of these things that, that are how we position ourselves with these drivers. But in short, it's these are drivers that are on multiple platforms and we are just yet another outlet for them to earn really good money and uh, continue to support the economy that is the gig worker. Well, and I've always thought if I was a driver, what would I prefer driving you know, uh, someone that might be throwing up in my backseat or I have to make small talk all day, which if you're an introvert, that's a, probably the most painful thing or some boxes or not boxes, you know, bags of whatever. And then I guess the other reason why my comparison it's probably isn't a good example is customers pay for, it really is another shipping. Like in the checkout, there would be UPS, FedEx, and then Trexy just shows up as a shipping option. And is that all taken on by the customer or can merchants choose to cover I guess just like any other shipping option, hey? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's three ways that it can work. When it's being offered at the checkout experience, they can either A, have the customer consume the entire amount of the shipping cost. Now the shipping cost for us, it's from point A to point B. So the algorithm that we prepared is based on time and distance. And so we tout ourselves- Weight and size, doesn't matter? Doesn't matter. Day one, this was the most important thing to us was our units of measurement were front seat, back seat, trunk, or do you need an SUV? right? <laughs> we don't do big and bulky. We're not moving washers and dryers, right? And so, like I said, the algorithm is based on time and distance. And we've always called ourselves honest delivery and always will continue to call ourselves honest delivery. But when we launched that model, it was, okay, well, 
because we're able to capture where it's being picked up and where it's being delivered, well, when you get to that shipping page, we actually calculate in real time in the back end exactly what it's going to cost that customer. So we'll say, yeah, it's $12.41 to get this right now. And they'll say, okay, well, that's $12.49 or $15 for FedEx in two days or $20 for Canada Post in three to five. Well, this is kind of a no-brainer. And so right away, we kept seeing on the data that everybody was clicking same-day level delivery when it came to the checkout process. So then what we did is on the back end of our famous Trexity Merchant Portal, we built some pricing rules for merchants that they could go in and they can create pricing rules without any coding or having to push to production where they could say, okay, well, if a customer lives within 30 kilometers, offer Trexity and give them a flat fee of $5. And so what would happen at that point is they would be offered Trexity. And now instead of paying the total amount, the merchant is saying, let's just charge them $5 flat fee. And then what would happen there is whatever the residual is, so say it was a $12 delivery, the merchant would pick up the extra $7 and away we go. And the other pricing rule that's really, really popular amongst our merchants is the cart rule, where if you spend $80, so they'll create the rule, like if customer spends 80, then Trexity same day local is free, right? And we did this as a test back in 2019 with a local merchant because they were so frustrated. They said, you know, we can't seem to get our customers to spend more than a hundred bucks. This was a uh, microbrewery. And I said, I find it hard to believe that you can't get people to buy a hundred dollars worth of beer. Like that shouldn't be that hard, <laughs> you know? So their average cart size was $68. And then after three weeks of using Trexity's same day local delivery as an option, they cracked it to $102 and they haven't looked back since. So it's kind of neat how we're watching all the merchants use it. And because merchants don't have to pay a cost. There's no monthly subscription. There's no annual fee to sign up for Trexity. It's free to get an account. And if your customers are paying for the cost of the delivery, it's literally costs you $0. We tell all of our merchants, use this as a marketing tool, right? Like it doesn't cost you anything. And just let everybody know now that you offer same day local delivery. And right away, we've helped you win. That's helped with adoption for sure. And it allows merchants, especially the local ones, right? Whether it's in the cities that we're in, and we see it, Calgary, Winnipeg, Ottawa, Toronto, is we've allowed these merchants to change the buying habits of their customers, right? So these customers are now going back to the site and they're saying, wow, like I can get this same day now from my favorite store to the city that I was born, right? Or, or something that I need right now. I don't have to go to, I hate saying it, but to Amazon. You know, I can go to my favorite store and, and get it right away. And so because we've been able to change the buying habits of their customers, they've now noticed a massive compound interest of the amount of deliveries they're doing on a daily basis. So much so that recently we've had the opportunity to be approached by a couple of big box enterprise stores. Not that we're actively going after them, but organically they've been seeing how these smaller merchants are competing with them and winning. And they're now calling us to say, hold on a second, we want to do the same thing, like help us. And so it's funny, just just a couple of weeks ago, I asked one of them, I said, okay, well, send me some historical data and we'll just start, I'll give you some, some ideas of the radiuses and what we're doing. And I noticed that this big box store was doing way less than some of the local bakeries and streetwear stores that we have in some of our cities. And it just goes to show that never underestimate the power of your local economy. And the pandemic has made that evident to us that when you lock down these economies and you tie their hands behind their back and you don't let them operate to their full potential, you see the effect it has on not just the local economy, but the Canada economy. Our local stores are so important to the fabric of how we're going to grow as a country. And we can't just rely on the big box stores. Like They're not going to lead us to the promised land, right? And 
we're now witnessing that. So these are all the things that, that we watch as a company. These are all the things that keep me up where I feel like we have to continue to improve. We have to continue to arm them with the tools that they need to not just add delivery as a new proponent of how they do business, but how they're going to make smarter decisions to win, whether it's using us or whether it's now we're finding a lot of these local stores have full-time pick and packers in their location, right? And I witnessed it when I was down in Winnipeg visiting you is a lot of the Trexity merchants out there, their storefronts are busting at the seams with inventory. They're like all little mini warehouses and they're now starting to approach it that way, which is really interesting to see. Well, I think, and you mentioned earlier, once you shop, something I think about a lot with the pandemic is will buying behaviors change for the long term? Before the pandemic, I don't think I ever bought online and then picked up in the parking lot. There was a couple grocery stores that had that feature, but I never, I never did it. And I think Home Depot had free years, uh, Best Buy once before the pandemic. I remember one time reserving something online only because I thought it might be out of stock <laughs> by the time I got there to pick it up. There was like one GoPro left or something. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't but, because you wanted to park in one of those fancy parking spots closest to was, the door? <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe. Yeah. Reserve a pen online and then just get the good exactly. parking spot. Use this spot. Yeah. yeah. But now like that's actually probably my preferred way to shop by online and either pick it up in store or have it delivered the same day or get in the parking lot. It almost seems like a waste of time to go in and go out of the way. I'm actually curious. I don't know if you have data on this, put you on the spot, but like if I shop online and I buy online, pick up in store with someone and it's a good experience, let's just use Best Buy as the example. And if it's a good, smooth experience, I'll probably be more likely to do it with them again because your relationship with a brand, like it's built on trust. And I feel like logistics are such a big part of trust. And honestly, that's like, one of Amazon's secret sauce. They are a genius logistics company. When you are on Amazon and it says, this product will be there this day, it's there that day, 99.9% of the time. And so there's that trust factor. You know what type of box it's going to be in. You know the day it's going to be there. So like, if you're going on vacation on Friday and you need swim shorts on Thursday, like it'll be there. And if you do that a couple times with this, I'm guessing it increases the repeat customer rate. I don't know if you have any data on that or not, but... We do. Yeah, we do. And it's funny because we see a lot of repeat customers. And it's funny because we'll see a repeat customer for one merchant, right? And we'll see their name pop up and we'll see the address pop up multiple times. And it's once again, it's through that growth of compound interest, right? They'll try it once, they'll get hooked to the service, then they'll want to do it again. Now, what's interesting about seeing those repeat customers is they know that we're kind of hiding behind, right? They'll see our logo on the tracking or on the shipping label. And so what we found over the last couple of years is those repeat customers were starting to reach out to us directly. And they were saying, listen, I just got like five deliveries and I can't seem to get it through my mind how incredible that was. Who else can I shop with that offers Trexity same-day local delivery? And so obviously that gets my wheel spinning like, oh my God, we got to build a, a marketplace where people can go and look at all the different merchants we have and send more traffic to them. And, and that's just a whole nother chat. But then we started seeing the same addresses show up as people started to find out who all the other Trexity merchants are and it growing exponentially from there. And then it's a lot of, hey, I just had this incredible experience. You got to check this brand out. You will get it like right away. And when you say stuff, Jay, like you have to build that trust and a lot of it is around nailing it every single time. Misdelivering is not an option. I couldn't agree with you more. 
For us, that's why we've doubled down on perfecting our support. That's why we've offered that paper trail of real-time status updates, the real-time tracking, making sure that the merchant has that visibility and their customers so everybody's on the same page, right? It's not like giving separate views for separate people. It's like we're all looking at this together, right? And and a lot of people say, well, that's secret sauce. It's not secret sauce. It's going back to that notion of just be honest, offer transparency, right? And if there is a problem, we'll let you know right away. But no, that has been a part of growth. It's building that trust. And when the merchants start to build that trust with us, it's not just because of us. It's because of what their customers are saying. It's because how many times their customers are asking that they want it delivered locally because they they've went through the experience, they trust it, and now that's all they want. And it's been a huge game changer for a lot of our merchants. Like Some have pivoted their businesses because we exist. And when I hear that or when business owners call me and they say, listen, we're totally changing how we do this because we know that we can rely on you to handle our Valentine's lobster dinners where we're delivering 2,200 dinners. You know what I mean? Like That to me is like, okay, we've done our job and now we have to continue to show the world that this is what it takes to survive and to thrive as a merchant. Well, one of them, I think, was a pivot. The perfect example of this was, and this is kind of how Trexity and Bold kind of worked together, was with a brand called Kettleman's Bagels. And Kettleman's Bagel, not Bagel. Kettleman's Bagel. Kettleman's Bagel. bagel. Yeah, not plural. (laughs) They have one bagel. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. They've got a whole bunch of retail locations. I think they have like 16. And it's kind of like a famous bagel brand if you're in Toronto or Ottawa. We don't unfortunately have them here in Winnipeg, but I know people just rave, rave it's by it. It's an institution. It's an institution. I grew up off Gettleman's. It's so good. So they wanted to experiment with a local delivery subscription option, which I remember about a year ago, you kind of worked with them to launch that. And it's the part that Bold played in it was we powered the subscriptions, but Trexity took care of all the local delivery. And now you were mentioning before the show that that's becoming a model that you're seeing interest from from other brands. Maybe can you talk about how, well, maybe Kettleman's, how they implemented it and what are you seeing now with other brands? Sure, yeah, Kettleman's was awesome. So the idea came to me sitting at home and every couple of days I'm running to the store to get bagels and it's getting cold outside. And I said, why can't these guys just get bagels to my door? So I called Craig Buckley, the owner of Kettleman's. And uh, backstory is, Kettleman's is a part of my like childhood and my teenage years, but they were open 24 hours. So after a night of a few beverages, you go back to Kettleman's, you grab a couple of bagels and you go home. I grew up, obviously, well, I didn't really grow up, but you know what I mean. And, uh, <laughs> and then my kids fell in love with it. And, you know, after swim class and dance class, we'd go to Kettleman's. And so I approached Craig and I said, man, we got to get this to people's doorstep. There's got to be a way here because these bagels are too good. Everybody loves them. And I think it'd just be a really cool idea. And so for two months, you know, I kept, emailing him and texting him and pitching him. And then he finally said, okay, let's do this. What do we need to do? And I said, great, I know exactly what we need to do. And he said, Alok, I trust you, like just make it happen. And so I took it upon myself and we don't normally do this, but because this was a brand that was so near and dear to my heart, I said, I'm going to do this just as a passion project. And we worked with them to spin up an online store, which they never had before. And we were just selling bagels by the dozen. And there's a couple different kinds, and we did all of it tied to bold subscriptions. I'd always wanted to, and it sounds so bad, but I've always wanted to use bold because I never got the chance to. And I feel like I should have used it before, but I didn't. And I said, this would be a great way for me to just really learn how it all works and, and tie it together with what we're doing at Trexity. And I think that's when I called you and I said, Jay, like, 
I'm going to launch this bagel thing on bold subscriptions. We're going to do it in like seven, 14 and 30 day cadences. And the minute it's ready to go, we're going to tie it to Trexity. It's the only way you can get these bagels delivered to your doorstep. So we launched and I have to hand it to the Kettleman's marketing team. They did an incredible job to get this, the word out to the public that they were launching this. And it just exploded. Like, I mean, it exploded in a way that I didn't think it was possible. And the next thing you know, I mean, we're doing hundreds and hundreds of bagel deliveries across the city to businesses, to homes, to offices that were locked down and had remote employees. They were just sending them bagels. Like, it was incredible. And it got picked up on like the news and they showed business owners saying, yeah, we send bagels to our our staff so they feel like they're in the office again. And I just thought it was incredible. And so the team and I took a step back and we said, look at the impact we just made had on this business, right? We offered them an opportunity to get out of their comfort zone and do something they've never done before. And that's subscriptions to a product that people are totally infatuated with and tied it together with them not even having to worry about how the customers are going to get it and have it all through delivery. And the owner would call me and say, when people get that notification alert that their bagel delivery has been scheduled, he goes, the amount of tweets we get of excitement is insane. And he goes, it's such great marketing. And I said, wow. So I said to the team, I said to the whole squad, I said, okay, there's something here. Like there's totally something here. If Kettleman's can do it and have this much success, we have to start empowering merchants to start thinking about the importance of of subscriptions to get, for a couple of reasons, to get more products out of their storefronts, right? Because given the way things are going now, I think stores are only having an opportunity to have the upper hand is with buying power is how much volume they're pushing out of their door, which is kind of sad, but it's true, right? And so when they go to these big distributors, they want to know how much volume you're pushing out of the door. And the more volume you're pushing is the more better deals you'll get as a merchant to grow your business. So we then decided, we said, let's go to our existing merchant base. And let's start talking to them about the importance of subscriptions and taking what they already have and now bringing it to people's doorsteps where they can get them for a couple of things that are huge for these merchants now. Because remember who we're dealing with, right? They can now start to forecast revenues, something they never did before because of all the subscriptions that they've got tied to their products. They can start to grow their digital footprint on how they're selling and what they're selling and then the most important thing that I said before was they'll now own their customers' doorsteps. Not only they'll own their taste buds, their stomachs, but they'll own that doorstep. And so what we've decided to do is we've decided to go out to a lot of our high-end grocery retailers and pitch them this idea. And within a week, we've got half a dozen or so ready to go. So we've now partnered with a company here locally in Ontario and Toronto. And they are going to, from a support side, do all of our bold integrations for us, for these merchants as our value add. And we are going to tie them all to Trexity and watch these merchants continue to grow their fan base and obviously move more product out of their storefronts in a way that they never thought was possible, which is so crazy. And it's something so simple. You guys have been talking about it for years, right? And just being able to tie that delivery component to the back end of this is just, it's the total package, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on about subscriptions, but it's so cool. We see the value of it. It's revolutionizing stores. Like one of the biggest things is, I mean, a subscription based company, if you look at what that company's worth, we're seeing e commerce product subscription companies getting investments or bought, acquired. 
like software companies, like seven to 10x annual recurring revenue, but they're selling their e-commerce companies. But that's the valuation they're getting. Where traditionally, if you're selling, like if you're in retail, your company is worth 20 to 30% EBITDA. So the difference in doing a million dollars a year in one-time sales, your company's probably worth 300,000, 200,000 at best, versus doing a million dollars a year in recurring, it's potentially worth seven to 10 million. I mean, you know, Dollar Shave Club was doing 100 million when they sold for a billion. Dollar Shave Club is not an exception. I use that example a lot, but we're starting to see a lot of investment activity in physical good subscription brands. It's kind of this next frontier. It's just a new way of buying. So we're passionate about it, but it's kind of been out of reach for a lot of local brands. Kettleman's would never even consider this if there wasn't a local delivery option probably, right? No, no, it wouldn't have been on the table for them. They would have crushed it down. So like we started this year, we did this locally here in Ottawa and now they just opened a bunch of locations in Toronto and guess what? Next month we're launching subscriptions in Toronto, right? And uh, and it, there's so many merchants that put up their hands. You know, it's cheese club of the month, it's charcuterie of the month, it's grocery boxes, it's, it's all those things and more. And I think it's going to be very special to see what happens to these local economies when people start to get all of these items to their doorsteps, start to get a flavor of what they were missing. I think it's all things great, but it's exciting. Yeah. And I don't usually like this podcast isn't meant to promote bold too much, but this is a really cool example. And there are, we did do a case study with Trexity. And if you go to our website up at the top, boldcommerce.com, click on, I think it's resources and then under case studies. And we did a case study on the Kettleman's example. And there's actually another one there on Shaban ice cream, which they actually launched before I think Trexity started. So they built out their own delivery team. Had they launched maybe a year later, actually Trexity probably would have been a perfect service for them, but they were a local ice cream company, high-end boutique ice cream pandemic hit. They basically went out of business, bumped into the owner one day. I said, have you considered subscriptions? launch subscriptions, local subscriptions only. Like they deliver it. It's melting from the moment they start <laughs> driving. <away. laughs> so, and now their subscription revenue, it's a whole new stream that they never had before. It's predictable. It's, I mean, the benefits of subscription are many and customers like it too. So like if you're a, a brand listening to this that has any local presence, you can leverage those customers too. They're great for product testing. If you want to launch new lines or get feedback and they're not just subscribe, they're members of your brand. So I think that's another really valuable reason to try to get people onto the... Anyways, that's my rant on subscriptions. That's, that's, the, that's I, like, the pitch. Like that's I, the pitch. Oh, I could go on for an hour. I have to, I have to stop myself. Yeah. You're right though. It's all those things and more. It's bringing awareness to it because I think that what it is, Jay, it's a lot of these merchants don't even know that it's an option. They don't even know that they can do this, right? And it's not that they're being dismissive and they're like, well, I know about it. I don't want to do it. That's not the case. They just need to be informed. And that's what we're trying to do, right? Is we're trying to we're trying to reach out to these communities across the country. We're planning merchant meetups. We're building community resources and tutorials to educate these merchants to understand that they have options. You can do things to like subscriptions to leverage more points in your business. And we won't stop until they all understand. Until I get a hard no, we're not stopping. <laughs> I like it. Rewind 10 years and the word last mile, same day delivery, like it wasn't even something people talked about it. And then things become expected. Like when Amazon started having two-day delivery for Prime members, everyone expects two-day delivery from every brand and two-day free delivery. And now Amazon has hubs and they can reach 
66% of Americans within a day or something. It's, yeah, it's nuts. So that sets expectations, right? One of my questions I wanted to ask you is, you know, Amazon being in every city, is that a good or a bad thing? I almost think it might be setting that expectation. So maybe a good thing in some ways, right? Yeah, like, listen, I think it's a great thing. And I'll tell you why. And I'm guilty of this too, is sometimes when I'm, you know, in the past would be shopping for something online, they have this countdown, you know, it says, hey, put this in your car in the next like five hours or four hours and you'll get it tomorrow. And I started changing my buying habits and only buying things that I would get tomorrow because I would just look for products that had that countdown on it because I wanted it right away. I didn't want to wait. And so it wired me differently. And I think it did that for many people and not just me. I think as society as a whole, we have now become accustomed to getting things right now. One of the things we don't do at Trexity is hot food. We don't touch hot food. But I think it started with hot food, right? Where you could just get something right away, brought to your doorstep. And then it was Amazon with all anything else that you wanted. You get it within the day or the next day. And so people have now become used to that. But the people who couldn't partake in it were the merchants that we're going after, the merchants that we're servicing, the merchants that need our help are the ones that didn't have a chance to offer that level of service. And now we're just leveling the playing field because you really see what happens when you do, right? These merchants start to thrive. They really start to become confident in what they're doing and who they're servicing. And they start to build new products around being able to offer a same-day local delivery. So I love it. I think it's just continuing to bring more awareness to the last mile and its importance. And I think the needs of the users all over the world. We've also become very smart about how we spend our time. And I think this pandemic has brought awareness to the importance of our time. And it's something that is the same for everybody. I don't get more hours in the day than you, and you don't get more hours in the day than someone else. And it's all the same. And it's now I think we're just getting much smarter about how we want to spend that time, right? And we've realized the importance of being with the ones that we love and doing the most meaningful thing we can do, whether it's working on a hobby or working on our careers. And now when you see that you can get things brought to you right away and still continue to support your own merchants while being very aware of how you're spending your time and putting a cost to it, it changes things, right? And it brings delivery to the forefront of not having a life of luxury, but I think a life of convenience. Maybe many years ago, it was a luxury to have this type of service. And I think now it's people realize it's not a luxury. It's a convenience. It's important. What's on the future for the company? Well, we're continuing to scale. I mean, the sky's the limit here. I think what's on the roadmap for Trexity is continuing to scale across Canada. There's a few key cities that we want to continue to service and open more of. We're very much a startup. We are well-funded and will continue to fund ourselves when needed. And entry into the United States is definitely on our roadmap and something that we talk about all the time. And entry into the United States is not New York. It's not Chicago. It's not Boston. You know, Sorry to anybody in those cities and friends I have there, but it's Lincoln, Kentucky. It's Chattanooga. It's San Antonio. You know, it's, it's very much those tier two, tier three cities that we continue to, to have massive impacts here in Canada. And we'll do the same when we land and explode in the United States. And so those are our plans. Strong partnerships, continuing to work with really big marquee brands that are organically coming to us and figuring out ways that we can add value to them and continue to bring more value to the end customers of these local cities is always going to be an area that we'll focus. But we're just excited about the future. And it's great to see that with these lockdowns being removed, the service still continuing to thrive and explode and people now becoming accustomed to having local delivery around for the long haul. So we're pretty excited about it. 
yeah, once you use it once, it's hard to go back to <laughs> days, days waiting. So if someone wants to utilize this, which cities right now? It's Toronto, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Calgary. Calgary, yeah. And then we're scaling from there. So we'll be opening up a couple of more on the East Coast and on the West Coast and, and not forgetting about the second other largest city in Canada being Vancouver. And then towards the end of Q3 and Q4, we'll be setting our focuses on the United States. Cool. Where should they go to learn? Yeah, TrackCity.com. Yeah, definitely. TrackCity.com. Check us out. Everything is there. You can sign up to be a merchant. You can put in a request to have your favorite merchant sign up. You can give us your feedback and let us know what you think. For me, going out into the field and listening to customers and listening to end users is probably the best part of this job. And I do love the negative comments. I do. It sounds kind of weird, but I do. Because it will allow me to continue to solve problems for people. And that's what I want to do, is figure out how we can continue to work and make people's lives easier and help merchants succeed and continue to grow their business. And that's where we're going to keep going, man. Yeah. They say great leaders run to the darkest spots of their companies. <laughs> and of the, right? you don't turn a blind eye to problems, you run to it. So that's a good quality about you. Thanks, man. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, I think we went over time, hopefully to make you miss anything. I could see that this is an audio podcast and those who are listening can't see Alok's face, but he's been on the edge of his seat the whole time and he's holding back, I think, probably so much he wants to say because he's trying to be as eloquent as he can, which is a good thing. But I think it's exciting. I love the subscription play. I think that's really cool. If anyone's interested in doing that in those cities, happy to help as well with that. And yeah, let's leave it with that. Trexy.com is where you can learn more. Alok, thank you so much. Long overdue, man. This was a blast. Thanks for having me, Jay. My pleasure. That's it for another episode of Own Your Commerce. If what you've heard has helped you in any way, I'd love it if you'd leave us a review in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. It's a new podcast and reviews really help spread the word. And if you know someone you think that might benefit from this podcast, share it with a friend. If you'd like to learn more about Bold, visit boldcommerce.com. You can view all our past episodes. And if you have a story you'd like to tell, we'd love to have you on the show. You can apply to be a guest or suggest a guest on our website as well. That's all for now. And we'll see you next week. 